All Things Black with Garland and Calvin present Fanboys. Fanboys is a weekly breakdown of the sports world from a fan's perspective. Now, here are your hosts, Garland and Calvin. All Things Black presents Fanboys. I'm Calvin. That over there on the other side is my guy, Garland. And we are back here on another Saturday to break down some sports topics and sports talk from last week and going into the future. Hey, Garland, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well, man. Just, you know, uh, getting into the summer, boy, you know, back from vacation, sand out the toes and uh, trying to uh, get back into the swing of things. And so uh, this has been a transition week. <laughs> I ain't going to lie. See, it's been a transition see, week. That, that's, that's why they don't let black people go on vacation. You have been <laughs> back from vacation for almost two weeks now, and you still talk about shaking off the cobwebs. See, that's exactly why they all let black people get vacations. <laughs> Bro, I've been sitting, looking out the window, remembering, you know, sitting on the beach and sitting at the poolside and all that other stuff. So I'm, I'm still holding on to the past. <laughs> Hopefully none of your supervisors or bosses are listening to this podcast because, bro, they're going to be like, we need to cut his PTO right. time drastically. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, bro. You know, they go on vacation all the time. When we finally get our time, you know, we we when we when we break, we break. <laughs> yeah, man. It, it's so funny. I don't know how um, and I, I don't exactly know how you and your family grew up. But, you know, growing up, our vacations would be like to go to somebody's family. Yeah, house bro. Stay home. We didn't really, but white people, they would go away. They yeah. Coming back in school, they'd be like, what you do over the summer? I'd be all like. Yeah, I went to see my aunt and we hung out with my cousin. My kids be like, oh, we went to California. We went to right. Hawaii. We went, I was like, God damn. Bro, <laughs> vacation was going to Northeast Baltimore, to Northwood, and hanging out at my cousin's house for a month. That was vacation. Yo. Okay, but, I went from Pimlico we, to Northwood. That was vacation. <laughs> we making up for lost time now because all of our generation is out there vacationing Ooh. every weekend. And right. the, the worst thing they did to black people was let us work um, from home. And now we can take our computers and go anywhere. It's a girl on my job. Every weekend, she's away. She's gone away, but she's right. working. Right. She's working through the week, every weekend. My so. cousin's best friend, she's a therapist. Right now, she's an expat and she's living in Barbados. Oh and she's working, God. yeah, she's working from there. So she's going to be there for the rest of the summer. She she left maybe several weeks ago and she's posting, for, oh yeah, I'm working. You know, she shows the laptop from the beach, but yeah, she's, she's living as an expat in Barbados and she's working there for the remainder of the summer. We are definitely doing, <laughs> We're doing the wrong thing. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, people don't want to hear about vacations because right. they're getting mad. They might not be on vacation. So let's get into these sports, man. What, what we got for the day? Bro, I'm an Orioles fan. Everybody knows this. So let's just go ahead and start this <laughs> off right. Okay, because we're not going to start with no Orioles slander. Okay. As a matter it's about of fact, time. Everyone, if you, if you follow me on Facebook, um, you know that I was at the game uh, Monday night, as a matter of fact, and I got a foul ball. I, I want to say that I caught it, but I ain't going to lie. Uh, Calvin plays softball with me. He know I can't catch. And so uh, <laughs> the ball bounced to me. 
uh, after it went over my head, it bounced off the wall, came back, and I was able to be the first person to get there to get it. So I actually, out of all the times ever going to a baseball game, it's the first time I ever got a foul ball. So, See, uh, and the Orioles then gave you a gift after all the slander. They gave you a <laughs> gift. Welcome to the party, sir. Welcome to the party. <laughs> the Orioles are hot, man. They won last night, beating the Cincinnati Reds 6-2. to two. They are currently in fourth place in the AL East, 51 and 49. They are over 500 by two games. They're on a two-game winning streak. Um, they've done well in the month of July. As a matter of fact, there was a, a report that I was reading on the uh, site uh, 538. Uh, this is a site that was originally uh, aligned with ESPN, and they were doing like, you know, more. Uh, mathematical breakdowns of teams and really getting into it. And they were saying that, um, you know, it's clear that the current brand of Orioles baseball represents a team on the rise, though it's also reasonable to write off their winning streak as a fluke. After all, only one of 10 games in Baltimore's uh, 10-game winning streak earlier this season was played against a winning team. But fluke or not, the Orioles are through, uh, this uh, article said July the 25th, um, you know, the day is July the 30th. Now they're two and a half games back in the American League wild card race, thanks to an expanded playoff format, which allows an extra team in each league to enter the postseason. Also, which begs the question, are the Orioles legitimate playoff contender? While the answer may not be clear cut, yes, it's closer than one might think. And so uh, the Orioles, they've been good for a couple months now. As a matter of fact, outside of starting off the month of April 7 and 14, They've had just about a close to a winning record every other month. In the month of May, they were 14 and 16. In the month of June, they were 14 and 12. Uh, this month so far, they're 15 and 6. And so the Orioles are doing very well. Uh, Calvin got a chance to go out to the game, too. They did not give him a foul ball. And so uh, I, I guess they value me more than they value you. But, uh, you know, just your thoughts on the O's, you know, what you seeing, you know, this excitement that we're having in Baltimore? Well, first of all, just like existing customers on cell phone plans, we don't need a deal to uh, <laughs> be loyal to them. We're already there. So, you know, granted, they were just giving you a loyalty deal. So, but anyway, yeah, man. So uh, you went to a game this week. I yes. went to a game this week. Mm -hmm. They won the game you at. They won the game I was at. Baltimore Orioles. I'm not saying that all things black is the reason why you winning. But I am saying that you ain't lose when all things black is at the game. I mean, tickets, you know, you just send us some tickets. That's all I'm saying. But, yeah, man, um, the game I went to was the game on Thursday where the ball hit the uh, – I think it's Lau. I think his name was Brandon Lau um, yeah. in right mm -hmm. field, hit him in his face. And we were actually sitting back there. We were up on the uh, roof deck, and we were sitting back there and watched it. And the game was boring at that point. It was one nothing, and we were in the bottom of the eighth inning. So, you know, it was a little boring. And when that ball hit him in the face, you should have seen the crowd just go crazy. And Trey Mancini with the inside the park home run, which could have been, and I don't know um, if, he, if he played last night, but it could have been um, his last game at home with the Orioles. Mm -hmm. um, so we just don't know because of the trade. Um, now, real quick, uh, funny story. Me and my homeboy Jay was there. You, you know James Walsh yes. plays softball with us. Uh, we were there, and when um, 
uh, gosh, I forgot his name. When the guy got on second uh, second base, he had hit a double. We were Hayes. in Trey Mancini. Hayes, Austin Hayes was mm-hmm. on second base. And Trey Mancini came up. I was like, why isn't he bunting? We got to get him over the third and then try to get him in from 90 feet away because going up 2 nothing would be big. That's a big run, big run. And then we were talking. He was like, well, maybe. They was like, well, maybe Trey can't bunt. And I was like, yeah, and he might not have all that speed. Trey hit us with the usher. <laughs> not only did he hit that ball, <laughs> but he ran those bases. He was lugging coming around third. It was, I thought it was going to be close, but the catcher, the catcher positioned wrong. And when he dove, he dove too short. But it was inside the park. So shout out to the Orioles. Hey, man, um, you talked about them having to win the East. Remember, they came back. This was a four-game series against Tampa Bay. So they yes. had a seven-game series against the East at home. They went one and two against the Yankees. They didn't get swept, but they went three and four against the Braves. And that is huge. So, yeah, you, you're right to call out that, you know, we got to win against the AL East because a lot of those teams were in the wild card. Right. right. Uh, so you're definitely right about that. Um, but what a what a home stand coming off a 10-game, well, it wasn't quite a ten, it wasn't a ten game win streak going into the All Star break because I think they lost that last yeah. game. Mm-hmm. But um, what a what a home stand to come back from the All Star break and like uh, your article said, was it a fluke? But they came back and what one out of two and then three out of four. Hey man, that is huge for the home stand and then the win last night in Cincinnati. Oh, are real man. Orioles are real right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic about it. that. So right now, uh, at 51 and 49, they're below uh, the Cleveland Guardians uh, for one of the expanded uh, wildcard spots. Uh, they did take three or four from Tampa. Uh, Tampa's 53 and 47. Orioles are 51 and 49. And so, you know, uh, we're kind of chasing Tampa. Uh, Boston's not having a great year, uh, but, you know, they're always going to be in contention. And, you know, I think if we just stay in that middle, we keep battling, you never know. And I think this also, Calvin, this probably changes if there are sellers or buyers. I don't know if they can. I don't think they were buyers, but maybe you don't necessarily sell now. Maybe Trey Mancini stays. I mean, if you go in and you sweep this series and Cleveland loses a couple games and you're in the final wildcard spot, I, I don't know if you trade. Yeah, I don't think you do. Mm-hmm. So I always wanted them to stand still. I thought the time was now. Um, and and discussing this with some other people, you know, they were, we were talking about the farm system, how the farm system is being built up. And I'm right. so used to them decimating their farm system um, for these stars. Um, it's tough. You never know. Now, the the real thing is, are you do you buy for a wild card? A lot of times uh, teams are buying to be to actually win the division. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. are you buying for a wild card spot? Because that's the thing that's so not guaranteed. And this would be, we're looking at the last wild card spot in this year. So it's, it's kind of tough. Um, you want to do it for the fans, but then you also don't want to hold on to a Trey Mancini and have to pay him, you know, next year or not get any prospects because these young guys are doing it. Um, I still think they they can trade Trey. Um, I think Trey expects to get Trey traded, um, but I still think they can trade him and still be a contender without him to line up. Okay, yep. So they would have to leap the 
Guardians, the Rays, and get up there with Seattle and Toronto. And Seattle's playing very well. They just made a trade for a pitcher. Toronto, they've turned it around after uh, firing their manager. And they're now 55 and 45. And so uh, they got some work to do. But, you know, I'm not mad if they go ahead and decide to move Mancini. Uh, like we said, we're building for the future. I, I, I don't think they could get their standing pat with the current team. You know, um, it's just too tough up top. It's just too top heavy. And uh, so but I see, I think they can get to the wild card standing pad. That's I, I don't think they. So, you know, I'm a huge Orioles fan. There's never a doubt. I don't think they can win the division. I, I, just, I think okay. the Yankees are too tough. Yeah. Oh, I mean, they're not going to get the division. The division's too top heavy. You know, they're not going to get up there because, like I said, right now, Toronto's 55, 45. The Yankees are 68 and 33. They're not going to get the division. But, you know, yeah, they're going to be in contention for that last wild card spot. And yeah, sure, they can stand pat. But, you know, I, I'm not mad if they do move Mancini. Yeah, I'm not either. I'm not mad if they move Mancini. And so we'll see. And so thank you, Orioles, for giving us something great to talk about. I think it's a lot of buzz. I'm going into places like last night. We went out to eat before the movie. And I mean, the game is on and people are into the game. I go to the movie theater. The movie theater has a little bar area in it. And the game is on in the movie theater. And people are standing around the bar watching and talking. And yeah, you know, they suck so much over the years. It's great to see them winning. And so uh, it's definitely giving us excitement that we usually just reserve until September until the football season starts. And so thank you, Baltimore Orioles, my favorite team. <laughs> despite what some people say yeah i mean y'all he hated on me when i got this foul ball too i ain't gonna tell y'all what he said uh, when i got this foul ball he hated on me but nonetheless <laughs> that's because i've never gotten a foul ball man. Uh, yeah. i wish they knew you was in there they probably should have took it right from you like, oh, man, this guy, this guy. All right, let's go to football now. Um, training camp has started all over the league. Uh, every team is in training camp. Uh, the Ravens went into uh, officially started on Wednesday. And so, uh, of course, a lot of buzz around Lamar and his contract and all those things. And uh, you have a team that's coming back pretty much on a mission. Uh, they were in uh, they held the number one seed at some point last season and then uh, just being decimated by injuries. Uh, wind up missing the playoffs for the first time in three seasons. And so uh, the Ravens are back on the mission. Uh, you have some teams bringing in new players and all. And so just from a Ravens perspective, Calvin, what are you think are the three biggest issues that the Ravens are facing going into this training camp this year? Um, so, yeah, uh, one for me are the is the running back situation. You know, they – the running back room was decimated in preseason last year. And I don't believe that J.K. or Gus has taken the field at all. Right. They're on the PUP list right now. Yeah. So now that could be um, just to protect them a little more so they don't have to play or they could still be um, still have some injury concerns. Now, I know J.K. got on Twitter at some point um, and talked about how healthy he is and ready to go so um but the running back for me and we don't talk a lot about that um because last year we didn't have it you know we we had veterans there that did well for us but i think the running back situation for me 
Um, of course, the receivers, you know, uh, the wide receivers, um, they, they got to step up. We got our second-year guy. If he, if he steps up, you know, to be the number one receiver, how are they going to perform? Um, and now for me, you know, the Ravens staple the defense. We got a lot of – they drafted defense well. We got a lot of guys coming back from injury, and we got a new D coordinator. So, you know, um, for me, those three things are top for me. You know, I'm not really concerned about Lamar's contract only because Lamar doesn't talk about his contract. You know, Lamar is a full participant in everything Raven. So if he's not talking about it, I'm not talking about it. Actually, I think it may be more motivation than anything. So, but running backs, receivers, and defense for me are my top three things in spring. For me, uh, number one is health. They cannot come out of this training camp uh, with as many players lost as they did last season. Um, the you know training camp pretty much decimated them. They lost um, J.K. in a preseason game. They lost Gus Edwards in uh, training camp. Uh, they lost Marcus Peters in training camp. And uh, a couple other players, uh, major injuries in training camp. They cannot come out of training camp with these major injuries. They have to come out of training camp with everyone healthy and ready to go. Um, you have uh, Ronnie Stanley, who's rehabbing, you know, Marcus Peters. Um, Marlon uh, Humphrey seems like he is uh, playing. He had a pec tour uh, towards the end of last season. Of course, the running backs, as you mentioned. And so, yeah, you, you've got to come out of training camp healthy. And uh, from all uh, reports is, is that they've definitely changed the way that they are approaching training camp, the way that they are, <clears throat> excuse me, approaching practicing and all of those different things. And so hopefully we see a healthier team. We don't want the team to be beat up going into the season. You have to give yourself a chance to win. This is not 1984 when I was in high school and we just we went pad straight. I, I, I can only remember one preseason practice where we maybe were in shorts and t-shirts. But outside of that, at the start of uh, training camp, it was all pads all the time, two-a-days, all pads hitting. We're not in that type of um, situation anymore. We're not playing under that type of paradigm anymore. You have to have your players healthy and ready to go. I mean, I to be honest with you, I don't even want to see starters playing in the preseason. I know we've gone down to uh, three preseason games. I don't even want to see starters playing. Go ahead and play these second stringers, these third stringers, these people who are fighting for uh, roster spots. Let them battle it out. I know, uh, you know, uh, John Harbaugh is taking some pride in winning preseason games. And uh, I forget what the streak is for the amount of uh, preseason games won over the last several years by the Ravens. But nobody cares when it comes to September 11th when the season kicks off. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. It's not going to make any difference. Uh, second uh, biggest issue for me is the offense, uh, the line play and the wide receivers. Uh, the line play because uh, Stanley, he's got to come back healthy. You just paid him this big money. You let Orlando Brown Jr. go. You traded him to uh, Kansas City. Uh, he wanted left tackle money, but you had already given your left tackle left tackle money. And he only played one game last season. He hasn't played in pretty much a season and a half. And so we need him to come back healthy and to regain his form. I mean, he was a top five left tackle when playing. I think a lot of people forget. We, we keep on saying, oh, Lamar's uh, he's regressed. And we, when you go back to that MVP season, <clears throat> 
he had that MVP season because he had a great line. You had Marshall Yonder on that line. You had Orlando Brown at right tackle. You had a healthy Ronnie Stanley at left. You had a great center play and a great left guard. And so they were very tight on that offensive line. I mean, Lamar threw 45 touchdowns to basically uh, a bunch of guys who, I mean, outside of uh, Hollywood Brown, the rest of the receiving core was meh. I think and Hollywood led the team that year with maybe 50-plus catches. He didn't even have over 60 um, re uh, receptions. And so you have to have outstanding line play for running and for throwing. A lot of times Lamar was running for his life as soon as he got the ball last season. And uh, so you can't be accurate when you're trying to dodge four or five guys and trying to throw the ball downfield. Also, these wide receivers, they're unproven. Uh you have Rashard Bateman. He played in a limited role last year uh, because Hollywood really uh, was uh, your your 1B. And, of course, Mark Andrews, Mark Andrews is your 1A receivers. But, you know, we're going to have to see what uh, Bateman gives us and uh, Devin DuVernay and James Porche and these other receivers because uh, they did not go out and get any receivers uh, to uh, veteran receivers. You know, usually the Ravens will pick up a veteran uh, by training camp, you know, we we did that with Anquan Bolden. We did that with Steve Smith. Uh, we did that with Mike Wallace. And so usually you'll see a veteran come in along with some young mix. But, you know, there's no veteran presence in the wide receiver room. And so we want to see what these wide receivers do. And then for me, it's the defensive backfield. You know, that was the Ravens, one of the Ravens biggest issues last year, you know, because you had Peters uh, go down. who was a, a top cover cornerback you eventually you know a lot of that fell on um, Humphrey to cover the number one and he struggled at points last season before getting injured and ending the season on injured reserve they had a lot of turmoil back there at safety uh you know and so you have an abundance of defensive backs and I, I want to see how it shakes out uh will Hamilton eventually win a spot will he uh get on the field but he's a high draft choice you don't necessarily want him to sit on the bench uh will these cornerbacks return to uh their pre-injury level and so I, I think that's a lot to figure out back there I think the the rest of it will take care of themselves in terms of defensive line play and linebackers and so forth but uh, I really really want to see you know what happens but to me like I said number one they have to come out healthy. They have to come out healthy. Now, I'm sorry, I lost my list. Let's keep on going. Now, uh, of course, you know, with the opening of training camp, of course, we get some drama. There's always some drama. And one of the things that was leaked uh, this week uh, by, I don't know who was leaked by, but we're going to get into it, was Kyle Murray's contract. Now, uh, we know a couple of weeks ago we talked about this. Kyle Murray, he just signed a big contract for uh, $230.5 million, which includes a $160 million of it guaranteed. It was a five-year extension, and he turns 25 this month. And so um, and as part of that contract, there was a, a mandatory independent study addendum. And it entails that Mary will study material provided to him by the team to prepare for the next upcoming game. 
And uh, the time spent in mandatory team meetings does not count towards the independent study time. And so this independent study period uh, was supposed to be for at least four hours a week. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to read the exact language. The player shall receive no credit for independent study for any period during which the player does not personally study the provided material in good faith. For the avoidance of doubt, players shall not receive any credit for independent study with respect to any time period during which any material is displayed or players on an iPad or other electronic device. If a player is not personally studying or watching the material while it's being displayed or played, and the player is engaged in any other activity that may distract his attention, for example, watching television, playing video games, browsing the internet. And so this caused a firestorm pretty much of, um, you know, this, why would they put this in the contract? One, and who leaked it? Why would this come out at this time for a guy that you basically have committed to for the next several years that you've given top quarterback money to and you let this news leak? And eventually, because of the pressure of this news, the uh, the team, the Arizona Cardinals, eventually went back and uh, removed the addendum for the independent study time. And, of course, Colin Murray had to answer to this. And you have his college coach. Uh, Lincoln Riley speaking up for him, saying that he's dedicated to the game and all these things. And so, what did you think about this, Calvin? Um, so, well, you know they they have since uh, taken that out of the contract. Yeah, that's what I said. They, they, they struck it out of the contract. Yeah. So, sorry about that. Um, mm-hmm. But I, it's so weird to me. Um, it's so weird to me because you're you're kind of saying or or telling the world that um, Tyler is. Jamarcus Russell. Um, he's right. not really the student, a student of the game that he should be, um, and it's kind of embarrassing. So, um, so I don't know who leaked it, but here's here's my question: Does Kyler Mary have an agent um, or not? Because if I'm the agent, mm-hmm. I'm not even presenting that to to my client. Like, why would I even present that? Like, you got to take this out. Like, we're not even presenting that. So. Um, I, and I'm sure the Cardinals are, aren't going to play hardball about it. Like, what are they going to do? You know, if I strike this, if I say, no, we're not signing because of this, what are you going to do? You, you're going to hold up your future because of this? Um, it's just so weird to me how they label black quarterbacks. Now, here's the thing. We don't know if it's ever been any in any other contract, but I'm sure we would have heard of it by now if it had been. Um, but, yeah, black quarterback. And, and the league is starting to be – full of black quarterbacks, very good black quarterbacks. I just don't understand. um, I just don't understand why why it was in there to begin with. But but kudos to the Cardinals for coming back and making the statement of because of the firestorm that caused, we decided to take whatever. You knew you 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 were asked with bringing something in that, something in the contract like that. And Kyler let it slide at the beginning, but Kyler came out with the statement that he was pretty upset about it, but it seemed like he was more upset at the thought of the people's opinions on it. You know, when people were given an opinion that, well, maybe he's not studying enough. He was more upset of the reactions he was getting as opposed to it just being in the contract. I guess he just assumed, you know, four hours really isn't a long time. You know what I mean? I mean, it's really not a long time, but still, just to have it in the contract. It's kind of insulting. 
Yeah, it is. And I, I did just look. He does have a agent. And um, I don't know if this is a obviously I don't think this is a standard thing in some contracts and all. Um, to me personally, maybe I, I'm just gonna throw it out there. I'm not an insider, this is fanboys, and so this is our opinion. You know, this has to come from the team. This has to come out from the team somehow, some way. And for this to leak out, because I'm thinking, why would Kyler Murray's camp put it out? You know, I don't, I don't think it came from Kyler Murray's agent or Kyler Murray's camp put it out. It definitely had to come from with the team. Maybe they're just showing like, hey, you know, yeah, you got this money, but we're going to hold you accountable to this money. We're going to make you earn this money. And it's definitely a bad look and then have to go back and take it out. The uh, the contract says a lot. And so to me, that that says that, yeah, possibly it probably was the team that allowed this to leak out. Um, I think it is a bad look for the team. I think, it you know, it put Colin Murray's dedication in question. And as a matter of fact, uh, we saw this also uh, this week where uh, on the athletic website, there was a. NFL quarterback tiers list done by Mike Sando and this tier uh, it was uh, 50 NFL coaches and executives uh, were surveyed and uh, the results uh, reflected their voting and uh, the panel placed 35 veteran quarterbacks into five tiers from best which was tier one to worst which was tier five. Uh, quarterbacks were then ranked by an average vote and placed into tiers based on uh, the vote distribution. And so uh, what they did was the tier one quarterback, these are quarterbacks that can carry uh, their teams each week. The team wins because of them. And uh, they expertly handle pure passing situations and they have no real holes in their game. Uh, of course, Aaron Rodgers was number one, followed by Patrick Mahomes at two, followed by Brady at three and Josh Allen at four, which almost kind of uh, mirrors the ESPN poll that was done a couple weeks ago as well. But in these tier quarterback ratings, we see that the black quarterbacks really received a lot of coded negative statements. Uh, like, for instance, with uh, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, we love Mahomes because of his unorthodox throws, not because of his natural pocket presence and then when that uh when that disappears that is when they lose games i don't think he is a one i think that is a two nothing against the guy i love the kid but his first read away but take his first read away and what does he do he runs and scrambles and plays street ball wow this is a guy that is a super bowl winner a guy that's a beast in the league but we didn't hear this about Rodgers. We didn't hear this about Josh Allen. Um, you know, they definitely didn't say that about Brady. And so they basically made it seem like, you know, he's just a guy out there making it up. As a matter of fact, you know, as you look through uh, a couple of the other comments on these quarterbacks, uh, you had Lamar Jackson. You had a couple other people that were in, um, I think Deshaun Watson was in tier two as well. And it really just cast this whole thing about black quarterbacks in a sense. As a matter of fact, uh, Patrick Mahomes, he was uh, talking about it and he said that he wouldn't go as far as to say black quarterbacks are evaluated differently by their white counterparts. But he did say he found it interesting that only black quarterbacks are subject 
to certain types of uh, criticism. And this is his direct quote. Obviously, a black quarterback has had to battle to be in this position that we are to have this many guys in the league playing. Every day, we're proving that we should have been playing the whole time. You've got guys that can think just as well as they can use their athleticism. It's always weird when you see guys like me, Lamar, Kyler kind of get that on them when other guys don't. But at the same time, we're going out there to prove ourselves every day to show we can be some of the best quarterbacks in the league. And so what do you think about this, this overall coded language and the perception still today in 2022 of black quarterbacks? Yeah. So um, just as I was talking about with the Kyler Murray situation, it's just, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous um, that you keep putting these black quarterbacks in and making them a step below, or in this case, a tear below um, these white quarterbacks. But so I'm, I'm, looking at this list and my question is always and it's been for the past maybe two or three years when Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady finally retire because it's well with Tom Brady we never know but right. eventually it's going to happen um what are you going to do and it seems like what they've been doing is bigging up Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow and making these two legends Josh Allen I, I again, we talked about this before. I, there was a question for me with Josh Allen, but he proved it last year. I, I'm not taking anything away from Josh Allen. Josh Allen is top tier, no doubt. But head to head, Lamar beat Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert's a good quarterback, but if you're going to put him in tier one, you've got to put Lamar in tier one. Uh, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow took the team. They weren't that good, but he had the receivers into the Super Bowl. And head-to-head, he kind of tore Lamar and the boys up. But, you know, still, if you're going to put him in tier one, you got to look at Lamar and put him in tier one. Now, I'm not necessarily advocating for Lamar to be in tier one. I'm more advocating for Justin and Joe to be more on his level as opposed to you're putting him up there with an Aaron Rodgers. You're putting them up there with the Tom Brady? No, I don't see that. And is it racially motivated? It's hard to say it's not. The only black quarterback you have in tier one is Patrick Mahomes. And again, mm-hmm. you got Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow there. But you got Colin Murray, Lamar Jackson. You have them in tier two? Uh, yeah, man, I don't I, I don't know. They, this thing about black quarterbacks is so different and so disheartened. You um, would think that we would be past that now. These barriers should have, these, these ceilings should have been crushed. It's, it's so disappointing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the, and as a matter of fact, it, it was this um, article where we got this uh, thing about Lamar. If he wins the league MVP 12 times, I don't think he'll ever be a tier one quarterback as a quarterback. He'll be a one as a football player, but not as a quarterback. And so, yeah, this is the... Uh, this is the article where, you know, you get this insane, asinine statement from a allegedly from a defensive coordinator on another team. And so I agree with you. I, uh, to me, it's I don't know if we're ever going to get past this perception of uh, quarterbacks, black quarterbacks, you know, of quarterbacks that don't fit the mainstream view of what a quarterback is. And that mainstream view it's not only that, you know, these guys are the quote unquote face of your organization and they stand in the pocket and they take punishment, but it's also based on color. 
it's that they're white. It's that they're smart. You know, when we talk about the black quarterbacks, we always talk about athletic ability. Oh, they, you know, they, they just get up and do that. They, they, they're always, you know, depending on their legs or, you know, they're just a freak out there. But when we talk about our white quarterbacks, they're smart. They're coaches' sons. Exactly. They study the playbook. They're masterminds. We never hear that when you talk about black quarterbacks. I'm sorry. If you're playing quarterback on the NFL level, this is not Pop Warner. They just can't throw you out there and let you run around and make plays. Uh, it's too many smart coaches out there to figure that out and to break that down. There's no way that you, you can go out and do that. As you were saying, the qualifications, that's why I don't have a problem with Josh Allen because Josh Allen does all of that. He right. can pull that ball down and run. He can pass. He can reach. That's why, you know, you want to throw Josh Allen up there in tier one, I'm all for that because he and, – and granted, I'm not the end-all, be-all, but he proved to me last year that that boy is bad. But Justin Herbert is not that. Joe Burrow can't run. I mean, right. you know, and, and even looking at tier two, you have Matt Ryan in tier two. How long are they going to have this love affair with Matt Ryan? Like, know. are you kidding me? Matt Ryan should be tier three at best, but maybe a tier four quarterback. I mean, come right. on. Right. It's, it's, it's so ridiculous. So He's crazy. These people out here are crazy. As a matter of fact, as we uh kind of talking about drama, you know, the last couple of weeks we've been uh, talking about our favorite sports-themed movies. And so um, since we're here at football, we've, we've done baseball, we've done basketball. And so we want to kind of give our – five favorite football movies because you know I, to me it's just the nfl 2022 season that I, I might have to put that at number one because so far right now that's the best movie ever <laughs> you got controversy you got all this other stuff up in here great storyline because uh yeah they saying some real dumb stuff this so far in the season they ain't even started yet but um i'll start off with uh my number five movie and I, you might ding me for this, Calvin, because it's not necessarily a football movie, but football is the background of it, the backdrop. Silver Linings Playbook. Have you ever seen that? Sir, are you kidding me? Although it's yeah. a gr- gr- very, very, very it's good a, movie. It's a great very movie. Good movie. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not, I, don't get me wrong. When, uh, I'm about I'm about to get on you, but I'm not getting on you for the movie because the movie was great. But sir, that is a love story. The background is loosely based on football, <laughs> but that is not a football movie. No, no, no. You not no, going. No, you not going to no. desecrate my choice. Silver no, Linings Playbook. No, no. It's, a, it's, a, it's a 2012 American romantic comedy drama. <laughs> Starring Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence with uh, De Niro's in the movie, Chris Tucker, a couple other people. It takes place in uh, outside of Philadelphia where this man uh, with bipolar disorder, played by Cooper, he's released from a psychiatric a hospital in Baltimore, as a matter of fact, and moves back in <laughs> with his parents. And uh, his wife has left him. He, he, he basically snapped when he caught his wife having an affair on him with a, uh, with a co-worker. And he's trying to get his life back together. And he meets this young lady who also is bipolar and kind of chronicles that story. And it's built around the family's love 
for the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> his his father is a illegal bookmaker, and you know he's very superstitious about the Eagles, and you know, and so the Eagles are tied into uh, this movie in terms of their devotion to the Eagles and uh, them going to Eagles games and beating people up and all those things. And so, yeah, silver line is playbook. <laughs> okay. okay. I got one question to ask you. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie or not? Is Die Hard a Christmas? Yes. It's a Christmas movie. <laughs> I, I, I knew you would say that. If you think silver line is playbook is a football movie, you definitely think Die Hard is a Christmas movie. <laughs> It's a Christmas movie. It's it. Yeah, he went out to visit her during Christmas. So anyway, <laughs> um, but Silver Linus Playbook, if you have not seen it, it is it's an it's excellent movie. movie. Excellent. It was when um, Jennifer Lawrence was hot at that point. She yeah. Was, that's when she was doing X-Men. Um, yeah, she, was she had a whole lot bunch of movies. movies. Yeah, she was, she was on fire at that point. Bradley Cooper was on fire. He was just starting his ascent. Right. Um, at that point also so yeah very good mm-hmm. movie very good movie just not a football movie so anyway <laughs> number five for me and uh football movies for me to rank were pretty hard because a whole bunch of them were even killed to me mm-hmm. um and just like basketball um with football movies a lot of them are really based on my favorites are based on college football which is funny because i'm not a big college football watcher so but anyway, let me start with my number one. Um, I'm going to start with my number five, which would be The Last Boy Scout. Now, I really, really enjoyed that movie. Um, it's so long ago. It was Haley Berry. It was uh, right. Damon Wayans. Billy Blank. Billy Blank started it off by shooting himself in the head. I right. really liked The Last Boy Scout. Bruce Willis was in the movie. Um, yeah, so The Last Boy Scout for me, number five. That was a horrible movie. The the football scene, it was like, were they playing in a monsoon when Billy Blank shot himself in the head? Yeah, man, and he was running them all over and everything. He, <laughs> he, was, out of he was cowboying, and then he started shooting the defenders. And right. Yo, Last Boy Come Scout on, was a man. very good movie. If Last Boy Scout was a football movie, Silver Linus Playbook. Wait, Last Boy Scout was a movie based on football. (laughs) Silver Linus Playbook was a movie about romance that just happened to have a family. Yeah, come on now, come on now. Okay. (laughs) My number four is the original The Longest Yard, uh, which was uh, made in 1974 with uh, Burt Reynolds. Mike Conrad, Eddie Albert. It was about a uh, pro former pro quarterback, Paul Wrecking Crew, who walks out on his wealthy girlfriend and uh, takes a Maserati without permission and leads to a police chase. And he's arrested and he's sentenced to 18 months in a local state prison. And while there, uh, you know, he was dismissed from the NFL for point shaving and the warden who's a, a football fanatic and manages a semi-pro football team of the prison guards once crew to help coach the team and clinch the championship, but he doesn't want to do it. And so they reluctantly begin to, uh, he agrees to play an exhibition game and he forms a prison team that includes uh, prisoners and uh, a couple other people. And so this is the original, not the one with Chris Rock uh, that was made with Chris Rock and uh, Adam Sandler, but the original one it was actually a pretty good movie. I'm glad you said that because I have the longest yard the uh, remake as one of the worst football yeah, movies yeah, that, that I've seen. Movie. So, 
I'm, I'm glad you said the original one. Um, yes, original. So number four for me is, let me go with, I got a couple different ones. I'm trying to decide between one of these. Let me go with We Are Marshall. I really, really, okay. really okay. enjoyed uh, We Are Marshall. Matthew McConaughey. Um, I forget the guy, the Falcon from uh, the Avengers now. Um, oh, Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie, yeah. We Are Marshall is number four for me. And if you don't know, it's based on the true story how the Marshall football team um, was on their way to a game and the plane crashed and killing all of the players that were on that plane and the coaches. So they had to start fresh again. Um, also, Marshall, you know, home of Randy Moss after he got kicked out of school. Uh, White Chocolate, Jason Williams after he got kicked out of Florida. Marshall right. had some players. Uh, I, uh, what's his name? Uh, that's now Byron Leftwich. Yeah, Byron Leftwich. Uh, Marshall. So, yeah, We Are Marshall comes in at number four. Okay. Uh, for number three for me is uh, Remember the Titans. Uh, starring Denzel is based on the true story of Coach nice. Henry Boone uh, and his attempt to integrate T.C. Williams High School, which is now Alexandra City High School. Uh, it was a team in Alexandria, Virginia, Northern Virginia, in 1971. And uh, most of us have seen this movie. Uh, and it's it's amazing. This movie actually it was an article written about it, about how this movie was total BS. It wasn't really a true story of the real Herman Boone. And uh, it didn't really get into deeply a lot of the racism that was going on, but a lot of the plot and things that happened within the team, of course, was was totally uh, fabricated in terms of uh, actually happening. As a matter of fact, I have a, a, a great uncle who was also one of the first uh, black high school football coaches in Virginia. He coached in the Tidewater area. And, and uh, he, he knew Herman Boone. And he was like, yeah, Herman Boone was not this great inspirational guy. Uh, the players basically quit on him and uh, all of these other different things. And so, you know, basically they gave it the Disney t uh, treatment in terms of this movie and what actually happened uh, with him and the team. Yeah, man, uh, that's a great pick because remember the Titans is a very good movie. I'm glad you mentioned that. I had that in um, as one of my honorable mentions. But yeah, remember the Titans. Mm -hmm. um, and it's funny you said that and um, the little background you have because coming in number three for me would be The Blind Side. Um, however, okay. we found out that The Blind Side, just like you said about Remember the Titans, is more BS than reality. Um, but we all know Michael Law uh, was drafted. Well, Michael Law was adopted by the White family. They took him right. in and, you know, helped him through his high school career, college career. And uh, he was eventually drafted by the Baltimore Ravens and played for the Ravens for a number of years. Yeah. Um, in the Super Bowl. Was, yeah, it wasn't bad. You know, a lot of people gave him a harder. He wasn't that good. No, he wasn't bad. He was a solid performer for the Ravens. Um, I think he went to Carolina after that. I'm not quite sure. I think he went to the campus. But yeah. Um, but then we come to find out um, from his own words that that movie wasn't exactly uh, right. the way his life went. So it's a little BS there. But still, for me, number three is The Blind Side. Yeah, yeah. These these uh, Disney five movies and what happens with them once they get to Disney, you know, because you got to make it dramatic, I guess. You know, you got to punch it up and uh, make people get into it and you got to develop storyline. And so a lot of times to develop those storylines, they uh, fudge the stories and some things didn't happen exactly the way that they happened. 
my number two movie is Friday Night Lights. Uh, this is a 2004 movie, and it was directed by Peter Berg, and it was based on a book by um, H.G. Bissinger uh, from uh, Friday Night Lights, A Town, A Team, and a Dream. And it followed the story of the 1988 uh, Perryman High School. Uh, this was down in Texas, and uh, not only was this a movie, but it also was a television series with the same name that was on NBC for several years. And so this uh, follows the book that follows this Perryman team uh, in the town of Odessa, Texas. And uh, I had the running back, Booby Miles, James Booby Miles. <laughs> got to let Booby spin. If you want to win, win, let, let Booby spin, spin, coach. <laughs> <laughs> Movie that movie spin, and so yeah, yeah. This is this is uh, one of my favorite movies. <laughs> hey man, Friday Night Lights is an excellent movie. I'm a little upset with myself that I didn't have it on my list. Friday Night Lights was a great, great yes. movie, man. Definitely enjoyed that. Um, at number two for me, let me jump up here with any given Sunday. All right. That was my movie, man. LL Cool J, Jamie Foxx. As a matter of fact, LL and Jamie had a fight on Yes. Uh, they were going at it. LL Cool J, Jamie Foxx, Lawrence Taylor. Oh, my God. Uh, Al Pacino. That's such a great movie. Um, I really, really, really enjoyed the movie. Of course, at the end, they were going to win because that's what they're supposed to do unless you're in Friday Night Lights because you're Friday Night Lights. You're short of the goal line. But, you know. Right. Hey, Any Given Sunday comes in at number two. All right. Uh, number one for me is Any Given Sunday. Great movie, like you said. Um, I think this is probably the movie with the most realistic football scenes ever in terms of the play, in terms of, you know, uh, they actually were out there balling. You know, as a matter of fact, you, I'm sure people have watched the interviews with uh, Jamie Foxx and, you know, him talking about the beef with LL. And, you know, LL really thought they was playing football. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in, this, in the sense of that and, you know, having real players. And um, I thought this really gave a accurate look into what goes on with a football team. You know, the uh, teams trying to get players on the field by shooting them up, you know, uh, players being just shuffled around because of injuries. And, you know, uh, as with Jamie Foxx character, you know, they were trying to make him a wide receiver. They didn't know what they wanted to do with him. Then he finally gets a shot and he's successful. But, you know, you still have the quote unquote face of the organization, the white quarterback who's behind him, who they just want to bring back because he has history with the team and all of these particular things. And so, um, I, it was realistic enough that, you know, you could go with it. Yeah, man. Um, again, you know, I had it at number two, but number one for me, and I don't know how many people like this movie. They even deleted a scene that they deemed was too dangerous for kids to watch is the program with Omar. Epps. I oh, absolutely yeah, 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 yeah. love that movie. Yeah. I love the program with Omar Epps. Omar Epps delivered one of the hardest lines ever. He introduced himself to the uh, running back. He's mm -hmm. like, yeah, I'm such and such starting running back. Omar Epps was like, yeah, I know. That's why they recruited me. Son, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Right, right. <laughs> and he took his girl. That's Howard Banks. Was in right. And he took his girl. <laughs> took his girl. The program is number one movie for me. Um, let me throw an honorable mention in there to Rudy. Rudy was on my list, too. Um, I absolutely enjoyed Rudy. Mm -hmm. I like concussion. 
Um, it wasn't a lot of people didn't like the movie because they felt like it exposed. It wasn't true. You know, the NFL did everything they could do to keep it from coming out. But I did like concussion and draft day um, with Kevin Costner, which kind of reminded me of like Moneyball with uh, Brad Pitt and baseball. Um, oh. So those movies were pretty good for me. And I have one more that's not a movie. It's a series. It's really cheesy. It's based around football, but I cannot stop watching it. And it's all American on the really? on the CW, but it's on it's on Netflix. I'm watching. I can't stop watching it, sir. I'm 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 already finished all five seasons now. I'm waiting for the next season. I don't know what it is about the show. It's teenage. It's cheesy. It's not that good. But I can't stop watching it. I can't stop watching. It. I did watch season one. It was pretty good. Um, <laughs> I, I did. I did. I thought it was great. I thought it was great. Um, for me, my honorable mention was Jerry Maguire. Um, I, I again, I know you're oh, gonna, yeah, you're gonna yeah. me for that, but yeah, Jerry Maguire. No, I'm not gonna show me the money. Okay, I'm not gonna dig you for Jerry Maguire because he was actually a sports agent and his only client was a footballer. I'm not digging you for that. Okay, okay, thank you, thank you. <laughs> uh, actually, when you talk about series, there was one that used to come on ESPN Playmakers. You remember Playmakers? I watch Playmakers. Uh, Denzel's son, The Rock, yeah. had a lot of NFL players. Not that one. Yeah. Not that one. That was the HBO show. Uh, oh, that wasn't Playmakers. No, that wasn't Playmakers. Playmakers was a show that came on came on ESPN. This is what ESPN was trying to do. Oh, I'm thinking HBO. That's right. That's right. And uh, I'm trying to think. Oh my God. Um, as a matter of fact, I just had it up. Um, a couple of people were in it. As a matter of fact, it was so crazy that the league made them cancel the show. It, it threatened ESPN and said, look, um, if you don't get rid of this show, we're not going to give you one of the um, sports. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. This, as a matter of fact, it was it ran for, only from one season from August to November. This was 2003. And it uh, depicted the lives of the Cougars. It was a, a fictional uh, football team. And it had a Omar Gooding um, Russell Hornsbury and uh, a couple other people and the show followed their lives and this team. And so, you know, you have players shooting up in the locker rooms, a, a, a player, he left out at halftime, went to his car, snorted some Coke and came back and scored a touch. And it was real yeah. crazy. I didn't watch it, but I remember the controversy surrounding mm -hmm. it. I do remember all of that. Yeah, I remember that. The show I was thinking about is Ballers. That's yeah. what I was thinking Yeah, about. yeah, Ballers. Ballers. Yeah, Ballers was a good show as well. As a matter of fact, one of the characters in um, Playmakers, it kind of followed the storyline of Warren Moon. You know, Warren Moon had him and his wife had a domestic dispute at home and uh, he was kind of like the face of the organization and he got out and it, the news got out and they were uh, considering, you know, um, giving his job to someone else. And so, yeah, it was real crazy. Uh, but yeah, Playmakers, it ran for one season. But yeah, the league was like, yeah, you, you're going to have to cancel this because we don't like the, 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 the portrayal of players off the field. Now, um, in terms of terrible movies, uh, you like Draft Day. I did not like Draft Day at all. Really? <laughs> you know, and to me, it just, you know, Cleveland, you're not going to. <laughs> That'll never happen for Cleveland ever, <laughs> ever. You ain't gonna uh, give me my pick back. What? <laughs> give me your pick back. I like draft day. <laughs> give me my pick back. 
<laughs> you gonna get all the picks? No, Cleveland don't ever win like that on no daggone draft day. And so no, no, no draft day. And invincible. I, I yeah, I no, I, I yeah, I did invincible, invincible was pretty bad. Yeah. I'm not a big Mark Wahlberg fan anyway. I'm not. I'm not. Pretty, yeah, invincible. And um, we didn't have one on here. I, I would put it as honorable mention. Wildcats. Football. Football. Wildcats. <laughs> <laughs> we actually talked about that when we yeah. talked about the basketball. White men can't jump. With uh-huh. Woody Harrelson and uh, then, uh, then uh, Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes being in the movie together. Right. Yeah, Wildcats was actually a really good movie. Wildcats so. was a good movie. Wildcats. But yeah, that's that's the uh, football picks. We we got some come on yo's going on. Got some come on yo's going on. And so um, I'm going to do this come on yo, and I'm not trying to bring down the flavor of the show. It's been a great show, as a matter of fact. But um, last early this morning, I, I learned that uh, one of my uncles has transitioned after a long battle against cancer. My uncle Charles, uh, he was my father's youngest brother. And uh, I just want to give, uh, dedicate this show to him. Um, uncle Charles, along with my dad, um, they had another brother, Uncle Bernard, who has transitioned as well. And my grandparents, their parents, they were major sports fans. They loved the Orioles. They loved the Baltimore Colts when the Colts were here. And then that love transferred to the Ravens. And uh, he just was a great example to me of uh, being a husband and a father and a friend of hard work and dedication. I never saw him angry, never saw him upset, Um, you know, always there being supportive. Uh, As a matter of fact, some of my first sports activity, uh, my uncle Charles used to take me to. I'll never forget uh, when I was learned how to swim at the YWCA that was in downtown Baltimore. He was the person that used to take me on Saturdays to learn how to swim. And then I was in the karate class. He used to take me to that. And, you know, just always connected to my life, always positive. And so, Uncle Charles, I thank you. Thank you for your love, your support. Um, I thank you for your presence. And uh, I know you're resting well in heaven. Definite uh, prayers and well wishes to Garland and his family. Um, and I definitely support, I dedicate this show to your Uncle Charles. Um, my come on, yo, is um, we we alluded to this earlier when we were talking about the Ravens training camp. My come on, yo, is for the anonymous defensive coordinator that said if Lamar Jackson won 12 MVPs, he still would not be a top quarterback. <sighs> Sir, why wouldn't you put a name to this? Like, sure. if you're that bold, the, I, I hate these anonymous things that take shots at people. I'm all for anonymous sources that want to reveal things that may be going wrong or just reveal some insider information. You know, you want anonymous sources to do that because you want them to keep doing it, you know. Um, But you are literally taking a shot at this man and having an opinion that isn't unpopular. It's a popular opinion. Well, why don't you put your name to it? Which, of course, makes you think of who could it be? You know who I think it is? It's who? your boy, Wink. It's your boy, Wink. Come you on. think it's Wink? Come on, yo. It's got to be Wink, yo. They got rid of Wink, and Wink is mad. Come on, yo. It's Wink, yo. It's Wink. Wink is like, 
it ain't the defense that messed up last year. It was the offense. <laughs> Wink, is, Wink left. Wink is like, go oh, on, y'all. Go oh, y'all. Lamar ain't even that good for real. And if you got to play against me, I'm going to shut him down. But Wink at with the Giants now? Well, he yeah, he with the Giants. Yeah, well, they play New York this year, but when we play New York, we gonna be like, yo, I got this, y'all. I got this. It's weak, yo. It's weak. Come on, weak. Weak, boy. That's Why crazy. You come out and say it, weak. Why come get, on, weak. Why I'm, I'm gonna hurt your feelings. Guess what? We do play the Giants this year. Playing in October, yes. We played it. Oh, so, so we, we played play two NFC games East. in New York. Mm-hmm. We um, don't play the NFC East. We must. Catch them on we the. just have uh, a spot game with. Uh, yeah, the yeah. NFC. Catch them on the the mm. what did they call it the, it's one of the NFC teams that finished like you finished. Oh, so Wink is ready. Oh, yeah. y'all, I can't wait for this game. <laughs> I cannot wait for this game. <laughs> but yeah, man, come on, Wink, come on, y'all. Yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> Everybody said it's Wink. Everybody like, yeah, that's Wink. As a matter of fact, I was listening to the radio the other day. Uh, Jerry Coleman was like, yeah, that. You know, I don't know if it was Wink because Wink, you know, would have put his name on it. Wink knows the uh, what skills and abilities Lamar has. But um, yeah, that was my, you know, Wink in that tight Under Armour shirt probably might have said something. I don't know, but we're gonna see. Well- it, it makes sense now if we play him. It makes sense that he wants to stay anonymous because he right. knows if he come out and put his name on it, they're going to light that ass mm-hmm. up. Somebody <laughs> said it was Vic Fangio or something. It's it, somebody that's mad. I heard they said it was Vic Del, uh, Jack Del Rio. Yeah. Jack Del Rio and his, his old uh, insurrection non-believing right. ass. <laughs> his burned down the country, so... Yo, it could be it could be Fangio because Fangio was like, but they they just go right up the score. And right. like, Shut up. That's you, he you really threw a lot of dirt, Calvin, because he was like, that's why they got all these injuries. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't saying nothing, but you know, it's a reason why they got all these injuries. <laughs> hey, where you saying it from now? How you going? How right. you going to be mad? You can't even get in the club. Hey, what you saying from now? They fired you before the season was over, sir. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, we got anything else nah, um, man, we that good, we, we want to wrap up? Uh, so we're you know what? I, I do want to mention uh, Brittany Griner. We've been talking about Brittany Griner for right, a while. Right, right, right. Uh, the uh, Biden administration, they offered... Uh, to do an exchange uh, for Brittany Griner and another American that's being held in Russia as well. And so this offer was made earlier this week and um, they offering the U.S. is offering a convicted uh, Russian arms trafficker who's serving a 25-year uh, U.S. prison sentence as part of a potential deal to uh, secure the release of Brittany Griner and this man named Paul uh, Whelan. And so, uh, you know, there's been a, a lot more um noise about you know the state department and the government being more active and what they're doing and trying to get griner back you know normally you don't see these things in uh the media you know um because you know that you know there have been prisoner exchanges before normally they're done uh behind the scenes very diplomatically but uh this is different we're seeing a lot of movement out in the open and so i hope this doesn't come back to bite grinder uh because it's being done in such a public manner but you know we're still you know standing behind uh her return yeah man definitely standing behind her and wanting her to come home but i'm going to be honest i don't know how i feel about this um 
so of course this is a sports podcast and Brittany Grana, um, her name is out there because of the star that she is with the WNBA. Um, mm-hmm. And although it seems like, you know, just a sports trade, it's really not. Um, you're talking, they're trying to trade her uh, for an arms dealer, you know, a guy that has been convicted and accused of killing people. Um, so, you, you know, you're talking a matter of worldwide safety and it's just I, I don't know how I feel about this, you know, and, and it's not that I don't want Brittany Grinder to come home because I definitely do. Um, but at what cost do you pay? And are you paying this cost? It, you know, a lot of times we, a lot of people are talking about if she was LeBron James, she would be able to you know, she would have been home right. by now. Yeah, but if she was just an ordinary person, would you even be talking about trading this uh prisoner for her? You know what I mean? So now, this is where she's starting to get some, in my opinion, she's starting to get a little bit of favoritism. You know what I mean? Um, because the guy, Paul Whelan, that they're thinking about trading along with us, he, he's been there for what, I believe it's five years? Yeah, now? he's been there for five years. Yeah, so, you know, that that was never, well, we don't know, but it doesn't seem like that was offered before. I think the public outcry has definitely had an effect on the Biden administration trying to get her home, which it should. Um, but at what cost do you want to bring her home? Like, is this guy still a threat um, in the world? And if he is, you know, I, I just, I, I don't know. You know, I really don't know. I don't know how I feel about this particular means of getting home with, with this. So I don't know. Maybe I'll read up on it some more. Maybe he's not yeah. a threat at the answer, But it, just, it seems such a, you know, when sports and world issues start to collide, it's seems like such, such a sticky situation. We saw it quite a few times um, with the Houston Rockets general manager at the time, um, right. LeBron James, um, when he talked about China. Um, yeah, you know, it's, mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's, such a, it's such a sticky thing, and they really try to get athletes out of that. They don't want them stating their opinions um, on world issues because, you know, that's the federal government, that's the president, and we don't really have anything to do with that, and although we have freedom of speech, um, it, it brings a lot of national security issues and things that we can deal with. Um, so, yeah, I yeah. went home, but it's, so I just don't know how I feel about it. Yeah, you know, well, you know, Calvin, this is something that's, that's, that's like I said, a lot of times we don't know because it's done behind the scenes. And so uh, these type of exchanges happen all the time. Um, and they happen with other countries as well. And so they've happened with some of our... Uh, with some of the Middle Eastern countries. And, uh, you know, this is something that occurs a lot in terms of this uh, diplomacy. If it doesn't occur, I don't know what other bargaining chips that Griner has, because, you know, outside of this, she's basically going to be left up to the Russian justice system in terms of determining her future of if she's going to be exonerated or if she's going to be uh, found guilty. And so, um, is it equal now? Do you do you think it's it's, an, it's a fair trade? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that it's a fair trade, but I think in terms of uh, diplomacy, uh, a lot of times these trades are not fair. You know, okay. um, as, as the U.S. is saying, you know, like for instance, the guy Paul Whelan, they're saying these are false charges. Uh, he was not a spy, all of those particular things. Now, of course, they could be lying because it's the government and maybe he was. But, um, 
you know, yeah, for a convicted arms dealer versus uh, someone who's just playing basketball who uh, mistakenly brought uh, drugs into the country. No, it's not necessarily when you balance the two. No, it's it, it's not even. But again, I think this is a part of diplomacy that a part of it that, you know, we don't necessarily see every day. And you know, okay. I think this happens on a larger scale. Okay. And I definitely wanted to come mm-hmm. home. I, I wanted to take Yeah, yeah. We home. wanted to come home. And home. yeah, that's crazy. You know, just, you know, you, you gone to play some ball just to earn some extra money and you'd figure you'd be back in a couple months. And, and that's you, the real issue. Yeah. That's the real issue. She shouldn't yeah. have had to go over there. Shouldn't have had to go over there. And, you you may not be coming home for the next several years if if this doesn't happen for you. And so, yeah. yeah. But anyway, the hey, that's our show. Uh, All things black. <laughs> Definitely join us on Monday where we will break yes. down the next episodes of Key Valley and the Shy. Yeah. I think I call it the shit because it's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> Join us on Monday. That's Monday yeah, at 7 I think o'clock. we need to change P Valley to D Valley because uh, there's a lot of D going on in the valley, not a lot of P. <laughs> Real. Sir. Yeah, there's a, a lot of D Valley happening right now. <laughs> I, I throw out a lot of disclaimers that I don't necessarily agree with what Garland says, but I think this one. I think you might be on to something yeah. here, sir. I, I might support mm. that one with you. <laughs> we, ain't, we ain't seeing a lot of P this season. <laughs> hey, man. Uh, but after that, you'll definitely join us next Saturday where yes. we will broadcast another Fanboys podcast. So until then, All Things Black presents Fanboys. I'm Calvin. Yo. That over there is my guy, Garland. Yo. And we will talk to you all later. All right, darling. Later, sir. Later. You have been listening to Fanboys, an All Things Black with Garland and Calvin production. Thank you for listening, and make sure to rate and review this episode on all of your podcast platforms.